The art of customer service is getting lost. The need for customer service is greater than ever. I don't know if people don't care if it's falling by the wayside, but it's it's no longer the focus of most places. And I think the, the customer service kind of mixed with the knowledge and just being there for the customer. Um, I think all together are things you can't get anywhere else to the fullest extent you can at Midwest Evening Appliance. Midwest TV and Appliance, you get more for your money. I'll give you a couple of tips for a successful barbecue. Whether it's rib fest or not really doesn't matter. If there's food involved, then you better be having some fun, or as my dad would say, you're doing it wrong, having fun in the kitchen. And you don't even have to be professional. You just have to be a person who, on some kind of regular basis, has to eat. And you don't have someone to do it for you. I guess that was uh, that was my case. I grew up with with a, a mom and then a dad who were fabulous cooks. I only ate. My first wife was a fabulous cook. I did the dishes. And then... Then I learned how many different ways you can eat, make peanut butter and jelly or bologna and cheese and thought, you know, I got to I got to figure out how to cook. My guest on Cooley Region cooks way up the ladder from that. He's uh, generally the money man giving us advice on how to keep financially solvent. Now I need to deal with the hunger pangs that I have. Bruce Molick, the money man, the food man this time for an hour. How about that? Bruce, good morning. Good morning, Mike. Thank you very much for talking with me this morning. Well, good to be here. Good to be here. I mean, you're 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 scraping the bottom of the bottom of the barrel today, though, with me. I'm no, well, I'm, I'm not much of a cook, but I, I I do food does interest me. Well, and you do that's cook, sure. and that's the key because you are that person. You are the perfect person for this program because I gotta cook. I hate eating the same thing all the time, and if I don't cook, I don't eat. I can't eat out every single night. So you venture off into the kitchen to try and figure out how to make food for you and any of your family members who happen to be home and have them not complain about, not this again, Dad, Bruce, geez, you got to watch. And that's why you're on, because no one has called me and said, can't believe you're having Bruce on. He's horrible. (laughs) Well, some of my friends are, are, uh, they're kind of wondering why I'm on, because I usually go to their homes to eat because they know how to cook. Yeah, well, I get that, and Tony's—I I know Tony Zach is one of them. He's uh, all not as good a friend of mine as he is yours, but I see you and he on on uh, on the river often with great big bull around lakes up north with uh, great big fish. And I thought, I know he's he's eating that fish. He's not throwing them all back. Tony's been on with lots of delicious recipes, and I know you've picked up a few things along the way because you'd like to eat some of that stuff yourself without having to call him. Um, to come over and cook for you. Right. Uh, I learned a lot by watching him. Uh, sure. And he, this guy loves to cook. And what he does with fish is is beyond this world. He, he makes uh, fish taste like uh, pastries. Oh. Uh, he, uh, he, he renders his own lard. He, he buys these big, they look like big sacks of fat. He renders his own lard. And he, he stores his lard in the refrigerator. It looks just like crisco yeah. when he's done with it and that's all he uses for for his fish and he also does french fries in it fresh cut from from real potatoes and uh yeah it, a fish fry at tony's house is uh it's, it's, an it's a little bit of heaven i can tell you that and um and you know we, we have certain fish that we uh that we'll eat and a lot of people 
they don't know if you don't fish to me, that's just what I do. If I'm not working or sitting at home, I'm, I'm, I'm fishing. Sure. And, uh, we usually eat, uh, bluegills are, are a really good fish to eat. Uh, walleye are good. Um, and I believe the best fish, freshwater fish tasting to me is Northern Pike. Um, really? The problem is Northern Pike is they're harder to clean because they have bone in them. Uh, you know, they're a big, longer fish that kind sure. of looks like a, an alligator. And uh, Northern Pike, absolutely delicious. And better than uh, I am, better than salmon or any of the other crazy oh, game fish? Yeah. Um, Trout? Salmon. Uh, if, if, if you enjoy the taste of salmon, you're really no friend of mine. Uh, salmon is, uh, it's a horrible fish. Um, my mother used to make these salmon. Oh, man, I'm going <laughs> to have to lie to you. Salmon. I love salmon. Uh, well, I, I, Tony and I went on a fishing trip to uh, Algoma a couple of years ago. I tried to make some. I put it on the grill with the lemon sauce and some honey, or lemon juice and some honey, and I couldn't. It's just too rich for me. Ah. It's uh, it's not a fish, and it's just not to my liking. So uh, I, I gave all of mine away. Well, and that that's fine. But don't be telling salmon lovers, salmon is horrible. <laughs> yeah, well, guess what? No. So is pike. You know why? Because it's too much work. <laughs> no. It's too much work. By the time I'm done picking out all those bones, yeah. I'm not hungry anymore. I snacked on all the hors d'oeuvres. No. So I, I say that in, in, in jest. It's uh, salmon's just not my cup of tea. That's okay. And, uh, but trout, rainbow, brown trout. You ever uh, hit um, the rivers? Uh, no. No. Um, so you're a lake fisher. Okay. I, I, I lake and river, and, and I prefer the game fish, bluegills. Uh, I don't eat bass. Uh, bass, to me, the bigger they get, they 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 kind of Tougher. soft and mushy. Sure. Yeah. So, but the key to uh, having a good fish to eat is. Uh, keep them alive, get them home, and throw them on ice before you, you, you clean them so they, they get firmed up. And they just fry better and taste better if you put them on ice for an hour or so before sure. you clean them. What do you do with a uh, bluegill at home? Bluegill? Now, yeah. You're gonna, you've got uh, three or four people coming for dinner, family and whomever. And you gotta, you've got to cook enough bluegill for, for uh, four people. How are you going to do that at oh, your you, house? Uh, well, you, you, uh, you catch them. Uh, or you, you take them out of your freezer. You, you, you know, if you bring them home from the river, you put them on ice for an hour or so. Yeah. Uh, you, you fillet them. I fillet them, um, and you know, take out the bones. Uh, I take off the skin. Uh, one of our Tony and I's buddies, Bill, he, he leaves the skin on. He actually scales the bluegill. He leaves the skin on because he, he likes. It gives it a, a flavor that he likes. But uh, we, we take the skin off, and. Um, then we uh, we deep fry them, uh, you know. At my house, you're gonna. I'm sorry, you're gonna get fr uh, Crisco or Wesson. Okay. Uh, I, I I don't have the energy to to render my own lard. Well, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, and and my and my fish in my house is still pretty good, but uh, I get a little spoiled when I go to Tony's. Well, I get it. All right, and and, and you, but you you like to. F I have uh, friends that have automatic scale, like an electric scaler. Because taking a knife and trying to scrape the the uh, scales off a fish can, especially if you're going to do bluegill and they're only this big around, and ten people are coming over, you got to scale thirty fish before you've got enough to feed everybody. You have you have an electric scaler, or uh, why scale them as opposed to just cook them in the skin and then eat 
right down to the skin. Right. So I take the skin off, so scaling is not an issue. So you don't have to deal with that at all? No. All right. All right. Is it hard to do, take the skin off a bluegill? No. You just have to have the right tools. You have to have a sharp fillet knife. If you don't have a sharp fillet knife, uh, you're going to struggle filleting fish. Okay. And filleting a fish is really quite easy once you get the hang of it. Really, it's really easy. That's Um, the key, I guess. Right. Except for the northern pike. you got to... You gotta have to have a degree to get that white bone out. Well, and somebody uh, taught me a long time ago. I wish I could remember what kind of fish it was, and I haven't done it since. But uh, uh, with a with a fish, cut it in half, get rid of all the stuff you don't want, and then snap the bone right here somewhere. Grab this, and then the entire skeleton comes right out in your hand. Does that sound familiar to you? You know what I'm talking about? No, I, I'm, uh, I'm not that skilled. Me neither, uh, but I watched it being done, and I did it once with uh, the guy who taught me how to do it standing right next to me. So I'm not sure I could do Well, I know I couldn't do it today because I can't remember which end of the fish we started on and which part was the – because there is something. If you cut this right here, the, then the whole bones come right out. If you don't cut that, then they come out in pieces, and it's a mess, and – and uh, so they're, 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 you're right. It's real easy once you know all the tricks. You gotta, you gotta have uh, a skilled uh, f- uh, fisherman slash fish cooker s- nearby to teach you how to do this stuff. Yep, uh, and, and and that that fancy stuff that's beyond my pay grade. But uh, <laughs> all right, well, teach I, me. What are you gonna do with your bluegill? You got them all prepped for the uh, the grill. You gonna pan fry them or are you gonna put them on fire? Uh, pan fry them uh, yeah. always. Okay. Uh, just get get your uh, get your oil hot before you throw them in. Oh yeah, you said deep fry them. Yeah, and and you, and you have to have a a batter. Um, usually, uh, you can buy a shore lunch at the store. Sure. Um, you know all sorts of flavors. Uh, you might want to uh, have a, an, an egg soak where you got a couple eggs. And you soak them in that, then put them in the batter. The batter will stick. And you throw them in the pan, uh, you know, two, three minutes aside. And uh, bluegills are, they're not a big fish, so they're very thin. So it does not take very long uh, yeah. for them to be finished. A couple of minutes and, and they're done. A couple of minutes. And it, it's, 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 it's really a good meal. <laughs> um, really a good meal. And I don't have to do it very often because I'm, I'm heading over to, to the neighbor's house and, he enjoys Let doing do it, it, and I'm, I'm glad he enjoys doing it. Well, and you get to bring the sides then, right? He's going to do the fish. He's going to do the work because he's good at it, and you're going to bring the yeah, sides. He does, he does it, and you know, I'll to thank him. I'll clean a plate or two. Sure. You know, then have one of his beers. So works out good for me. And what do you – Thank you, Tony. Do you make the sides? Uh, no. Um, Tony's real particular. He knows that he's a much better cook than I am. Uh, so he also, just says, never mind. He says, I, I got this. And he makes a, uh, a creamy coleslaw that, oh, people yeah. just, uh, that, that people just rave about. I don't eat it because uh, I was forced to eat coleslaw when I was at the, the Catholic school when I, when I was seven years old. And I didn't like it then. And uh, maybe if I tried it, I'd like it. But uh, I, I don't eat it. But people just rave. They say it's the best coleslaw yeah. they've ever had. I don't know his recipe, but uh, well, and I've he's uh, shared that recipe on this program in years oh, past. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it is, uh, and it is really good. I've made it once, but I like a creamy coleslaw. 
as he does. Like a lot of people, I'm less enthused about the uh, the uh, vinegar vinaigrette coleslaw is not as exciting mm-hmm. for me. That reminds me of Catholic school. No, thank you. And being right-handed. Yeah. All right, one of the recipes that you sent me, I don't have them in front of me because I was running around like a chicken with my head off, but uh, the pork tenderloin and then your favorite rub, which you oh. thought was being really cute and you th- didn't think I was going to say, gosh, Bruce, what's your favorite rub? When you've got a hunk of meat that you're going to cook, what do you rub it with before you roast it? Uh, I'm not really particular. I'll just go buy any rubs, and they're all delicious, and uh, buy a different one each time. Um, rub your, your, your tenderloin. Uh, and there's, there's kind of a trick to a, a tenderloin. I, I love pork loins, which is a much bigger cut of meat. Sure. Uh, but a tenderloin is, is generally about three quarters to a pound and a half. They're not real big. Uh, they're very slender. They're about the size of uh, a ferret. <laughs> but yeah, don't. I'm not asking how you know that, but uh, I'll take your word for it. The size of a ferret. So you know, buy yourself a pork loin if you if you love pork. Pork is absolutely oh, sure. delicious, and it's it's an underrated food source as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I like it almost as, as much as I like beef, but, but you know, buy yourself a pork loin. Um, you put it, uh, put it uh, on, 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 a, on your table. Uh, you always want to pat it dry. And with a, uh, a tenderloin, there is a, uh, there's a little, uh, it's called a, a silver skin or a sinewy part. Sure. That's really not fat. And you have to carefully cut that out because it will not render down. And if you don't cut that out, the, the, the tenderloin will tend to shrink up around it, and it, it doesn't taste good. So you, you've got right. to cut that out. Leave the rest of the fat in um, because that, that's going to give you your, your flavor. And the, the tenderloin is, is very low in fat for the most part. So the rub is very, very important. Uh, you can't, really can't over-season a tenderloin. Um, so I like to, uh, after I, uh, after I pat it down, I like, uh, you throw olive oil on it. Olive oil can make a tennis shoe taste good. Um, so just put the olive oil on and, uh, your favorite rub. Um, I like to preheat a broiling pan, uh, instead of a regular pan, uh, preheat that, uh, to about, uh, 325 degrees, uh, bring the boiling pan out put it on there so it's so hot you can hear it sizzle um put it in the oven um for about 20 minutes and uh in 20 minutes you're going to be done the one thing you can't don't you don't want to do with pork and we're all we're all scared of undercooking pork and i've been guilty of this i've ruined so many pork chops and so many loins (laughs) because i I was scared of getting trichinosis um and i know on on my uh what I've read is pork should be at 165 degrees. I, I, I think if you do that, it just gets way too dry. Yeah, I agree. And um, so I like to have it at about 140. Take it out. Let it rest um, because it, it still cooks after you take it out for a while. Oh, sure. Almost that entire 20 minutes, you're letting it rest. It's going to keep cooking for a while. In fact, it'll get hotter. You take it out of the oven at a, at a buck 40. In five minutes, it's 145. Right. So if you if you wait till it's you know 150, then you take it out, 
chances are you're going to be overcooked and you're going to have a, a dry piece of meat. So, um, and I, I'm notorious for over, overcooking my meat. So I'm real careful now about uh, not doing, because you can turn a, a steak into to leather by overcooking it. And yeah. it's just sinful uh, to not have a little bit of pink. Same deal with even, your pork tenderloin. Well, just a hair yeah. of pink. And just not a, gray. Right. Not gray and all the way through. Yeah, you don't want to eat, uh, you know, un- undercooked pork by, by any stretch. But, yeah, just don't overcook it. That's the key. And you just slice it into medallions, you know, uh, put it with, uh, you know, if you've got a barbecue sauce you like, it's uh, it's absolutely uh, delicious. It's funny, too, that I see those uh, those recommendations that you, uh, you, you cook your pork to 165, and I thought, who made those recommendations, and do they actually eat the pork that they've cooked to 165? Because, like, unless they're cooking it in a crock pot with a pile of sauce and stuff, it's a, it's a dry, that's a dry mm-hmm. piece of meat. No, that's that's not fun at all. No, you, you, you might as well throw it in the garbage if, if you overcook it. <laughs> My dad gave me a long, long time ago when, uh, when he was in business and owned a couple of stores called Kitchen Stuff, and he sold toys, kitchen tools, things to make spending time in the kitchen easier or more fun or both. And one of the things he gave me for Christmas a million years ago was a clay cooker. You ever? It looks just like a Dutch oven. And it's great big and clay. And uh, he would have told you, you could put a boot in that clay cooker with mm-hmm. some onions and some peppers and some vegetables and stuff. Put the top on that clay cooker, put it in the oven, slow roast, and that boot will come out so tender you'd never eat a steak again. Perfect. And I've, I've done that a couple of times with lamb and, and with pork and so forth because then you, then you just forget about it. Uh, all the stuff in one pot, like it's kind of like a, a crock pot, not quite, but that uh, the clay cooker that you soaked in water just infuses all of that moisture down into the meat, and it slowly cooks, and all the sinew gets soft, and and uh, the muscles and the membranes get soft, and pretty soon it's not chewy or difficult to eat at all. It's delicious. Sure, the best pizza I ever had was made on on a green egg. Oh. Uh, homemade we, we had our own crust and we went out and bought our own ingredients we put it in the green egg and it, it was it was the best pizza i had ever tasted really? in my life <laughs> it, uh, i don't know what it is about the the green egg you know it's a big ceramic oh absolutely i've, I've cooked on them a couple of times sure and it, it was it was perfect was it absolutely perfect yes what, what do you like on your pizza meat just that's it well obviously cheese and sauce but any type of dead animal you can find um i'll put it on my pizza okay um i'm uh, i'm not i don't like uh, peppers in my pizza uh cheese meat uh any type of meat lovers pizza okay you're not you don't put vegetables on your pizza you're not doing onions and peppers and mushrooms and whatever no mushrooms are fine oh Okay. Uh, not not me. I, I I don't like onions, and, and I'm certainly not going to put any sort of fruit. Oh on yeah, my no. Pizza. I guess I don't want uh, I don't want pineapple and Canadian bacon on mine either. But I I have when I'm lazy, and uh, and just want to eat a a pizza. 
I have gone to uh, Papa Murphy's on occasion and bought the gourmet vegetarian and added chicken and bacon. Because like you, everything tastes better with bacon. And so I just bring it home because I always have I, I always have a pound or two of double smoked bacon in my refrigerator. Uh, crisp up some bacon and add that to a gourmet vegetarian. But I like vegetables, so so maybe I would maybe I would save you a couple of pieces of that. Cover all the vegetables in cheese and uh, and have you well I and and sneak a piece on your plate see if you liked it. That's fine. I, if you can fool me, I might eat a vegetable. Or are you? Are you? But are you? When you go someplace, and uh, and whether it's out or to somebody's house, and they're saying, "Hey, I got this great recipe." Jim Bressy is famous for that. He's uh, the uh, Quick Trip food developer, uh, and and is uh, famous, infamous for cooking something from somewhere on the planet you never heard of. I got this Moroccan sea goat and i'm gonna cook it with vegetables you never heard of and we and it, you know the, it's an extravaganza and i have absolutely no idea what it is until you have a bite and then you don't care he could tell me it was sea squid or you know pick up some really horrible thing name and when you have a bite and realize man i had no idea how delicious Left-handed sea squid from Morocco is this is really good. Uh, are you willing to take a bite of somebody else's favorite food, even if you've never heard of it? Uh, sure. A bite. Sure. Um, I, I, and then, yeah, tell me what it is afterwards. Yeah. And, yeah. But yeah, there are people that eat a lot of strange meats. Well, I, I used to watch yeah. Andrew Zimmer's. Uh, what was that weird food that he had? A, a food network program, and he'd go places on the planet and eat really unusual, weird food and then tell you later on what it was. And I thought, you know, I never thought I would want to try sheep intestine until he said it was the most delicious thing I ever ate. you got to remember to take this off and cook it this way, and I think you'll find it delicious too. And when you have a chance to eat it then later on, you think, because I can't go someplace and find, you know, you're in a strange country uh, or in a strange community and these people eat this all the time it's their favorite food i can't just blanket assume all you people are nuts you're all crazy you eat that yucky disgusting food i'm not going to do that give me a steak or a burger i gotta try that because all you people like this stuff i gotta i gotta i gotta try that mediterranean food comes to mind when uh when you get a, a really serious Mediterranean chef in your kitchen, he's going to bring you food you never even heard of. And then you find out, wow, I used to hate lamb, but when you cook it like that and then stuff it into a zucchini, I discover I used to hate lamb and I used to hate zucchini. But when you mix them all together and put them on a plate like this, that's delicious. I would gently bump my mom out of the way for the last bite of uh, Atala Hindaili. He made me a Little baby zu- stuffed zucchinis, they were just fabulous. And up until that day, I would have told you, yeah, I really don't like zucchini. Sure. Uh, maybe, so. maybe someday, Mike, you, you and I can uh, we'll head over to Vietnam and go on a cuisine tour. That'd be awesome. Uh, you've done that. I have. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that was quite delicious. It was. It was awesome. In fact, I I I ate and then bought for everybody in our group when I was there the last time. I thought this. 
this little chicken on a stick. This is really fun. We can pretend we're in Minnesota because I don't know what the, the ladies are cooking it on a little abachi on the sidewalk. And it looked like a leg. And I thought oh, it's just a, a leg of chicken or maybe it's a frog. I don't know what it is. Uh, but it was delicious. And everybody around is eating them and buying them like crazy. So I bought everyone in our group meat on a stick thinking it was maybe it's chicken or maybe it's a it's a frog leg and i'll just tell everybody what it is later we all ate it we all thought it was delicious then i found out it was lizard ah. yeah that's what i said lizard ew that was delicious can i have another one <laughs> you know just like that they they eat it to like it's candy it was just so good and that's their version of a walking taco you see people walking around having a little lizard on a bite of lizard on a stick instead of some deep fried thing from uh, Minnesota State Farm. Okay, so it, it didn't resemble a lizard in any no. way? Nope, not at all. Skinned, okay. it looked like white meat. I thought it was chicken. Honestly, I just thought it was a piece of, because they've got live chickens are right over there. If you want a chicken, they'll whack the head off one and skin it and, and de-feather it and do all of that and prep it for you. So I figured it was a chicken. Because uh, I didn't see any live lizards lying around any place, uh, or in a cage or anything. Uh, they apparently they put those all on the grill first, and only give you a chicken if you order it. Uh, it was delicious. It was absolutely awesome. We ate vegetables, and I would say, "What is this?" And they would tell me I didn't understand it, uh, and I ate it anyway. And I thought, "This peppers that are only this big, size of your thumbnail, were so hot." It could blow the top of your head off. And I thought, how can you get that much Coville into, into a pepper that isn't even as big as your thumb? Man, oh, man. And a tiny little piece of that pepper would make some, whatever you're eating, the, the soup or something, so delicious. You just got to know what it, you got to take the, advan- uh, the advice of somebody who's standing over there with a grin on his face. Is he going to watch me have a bird or is he doing this because he really wants to treat me? So I would take a, a tiny, tiny sip, knowing right there is an ice cold beer in case my head catches on fire. And every once in a while, it would be, it would be, you know, they did the right thing. This is delicious. But I'm willing to do that. I, if you think it's delicious, I'm going to try it because you think it's delicious. I might, I, I had tofu in Vietnam. I don't like American tofu. I also now don't like Vietnamese tofu. But that doesn't mean that if, you know, if your wife who's been a vegetarian since she was a baby and she eats tofu three days a week, and she makes this kind of tofu, and I've never had that before, I would give it a try. Because I, I, I can't just blanket say, I don't like zucchini. And for a long time, I didn't taste zucchini until, until uh, Hindaley made me eat some of his zucchini, and it was delicious. And then I ate lizard, and that was delicious. And the spice that you're putting on your, your uh, pork tenderloin in Vietnam isn't pepper, it's ground-up seahorse. Oh, I guess I like ground seahorse, too. <laughs> Can't buy it in the United... Well, you can buy it at, a, at the right market. But, uh, you know, that, that kind of experimenting is just way too much fun to say, no, thank you. What did you... Went to Vietnam. What did you eat? Hot dogs. Well, what else did you eat? Oh, nothing. Just a hot dog. I was afraid to try everything else. Hot dogs and beer, nothing else. What kind of hot dogs? I don't know. Just hot dogs, tube steak, that was it. That's not me. I didn't get this fat by saying no thank you. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. I'm I'm excited for tonight, though, Mike. Tonight? Um, 
tonight I uh, I made a uh, a marinade last night, and I have I have two about inch they must be an inch inch and a half thick ribeyes marinating in in the Money Man's uh, marinade, and uh, I'll be grilling those up tonight. Oh. It's, it's going to be delicious. So and, you you um, cook with fire. You're good with fire. I cook with fire. I, All right. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a much, I'm more often than not, I'm at the grill rather than the stove. That's okay. Share that marinade uh, recipe with us when we come back. Absolutely. All right. I got a little business to take care of, and I will do that. And we'll come back and marinate a couple of ribeyes for dinner. Bruce Molick, the money man from Firefighters Credit Union or the nearest grill. We'll be right back. Here at Do It Yourself. Cooley Region Cooks. Every Thursday from 10 to 11. Oh, and next Thursday, I just made the arrangements uh, this morning. Tan Pham, who is Cuisine Adventure Tours, takes people to Vietnam. His brother owns a deli in Minneapolis. And uh, among the delicacies up there are a lot of Vietnamese fare and seasonal. He's my Cooley Region Cooks guest next Thursday, Bruce, so... If you're uh, if you're near your computer next Thursday at 10 o'clock, listen in because I am confident that he will bring recipes to the table that uh, that you've never had before. Because that's the kind of weird I shouldn't say weird unusual cook uh, the the Fom family is really good at it too. And I've talked with a number of people who have eaten in his deli and loved it and went back a second time and paid money for it. So. You know darn well if somebody's willing to go twice with cash, must be worthwhile. I was, when I first moved here a long time ago, out on the river, had a little boat, and I was by myself, and I saw a guy over on the shore on the Minnesota side. He was, I don't know what he was doing. So I stopped, and I, I thought he was, uh, what do you call that when you stick your hand down in a in a cave and, and get the fish to bite your arm and you take it up? There's a name for that. I think it's called... Uh noodling noodling right right so i thought he was noodling and i'd only ever seen that on tv or on uh, youtube and i thought i'm gonna watch this guy noodle well it turns out he was catching turtles and so he told me about it and i pulled the boat up on shore and we were talking because i was not interrupting i was afraid i would be interrupting anyway bottom line was he went in his little cabin he lived somewhere else he had a little cabin on the river up by the uh, train bridge and came back out with a little with a little container of, uh, of soup, said, you got to try this. And it was turtle soup. And I'd never had turtle soup before. It was absolutely delicious. And he said, normally, if when I have friends over, I serve turtle soup in the turtle shell. Not the turtle that is the soup, but he said, I've got mm-hmm. half a dozen turtle shells that are big enough around to be uh, soup bowls. And, you know, you treat them right so that they're not... Uh, they're not going to make you sick or poison, whatever. Uh, he said, I serve it that way. Turtle soup is really, really good. If you get a chance to try that someday, give that a shot. Uh, sure. Does it taste like anything that uh, I could relate to? Or has it got its own unique flavor? It tastes a lot like lizard. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I don't uh, I don't know. I, I hate to use the old cliche, it tastes like chicken. But uh, it wasn't. didn't taste like pork or steak or bacon uh, t- you know, you, you could, you have bites. He had chunks in there. So you're biting. It didn't taste like fish. It tasted like meat. 
but it was well seasoned and it was delicious. But I, you would never have a bite and say, "Oh, this is turtle," <laughs> unless you eat it all the time. Because I had no idea. I just had a bite and said, "This is this is delicious." Thanks very much for sharing. And I went back to that area of the river a couple of times in hopes I would see him and thank him and give him back his Tupperware thing, but I never saw him. So if you ever get a chance to eat uh, turtle soup, you should give that a shot. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to remember to do that. I don't, I've never been at a restaurant where it's on the menu. I have not either. Uh, I have not. But, you know, then that's – you would find that. Maybe you would find turtle soup in a bigger city, maybe in Minneapolis or, or in New York City or someplace – uh, Austin, Texas, when I went, my eldest son used to live down there. They have a lot of hippie restaurants. Matthew called them a lot of hippie restaurants. Really? What's that? It's a restaurant where everything on the menu is something you never heard of. Oh, okay. So uh, I'll order for you, Dad. We'll have a number two, a number seven, and a number whatever. And they'd bring the food, and we'd eat it, and it was delicious. And then later on, they'd tell you what it was while we're having a cocktail for dessert or something. So how'd you like your dinner? It was eel. Really? Never had eel before. Oh, yes, you have. <laughs> you had stuff, you know, things like that. That's where you would find turtle soup. There was a restaurant in Michigan when I was growing up that was uh, the international, I'm not the restaurant, uh, grocery store, the international grocery store, a tiny little grocery store, and all they sold was that un- you could buy a pound of camel or you could buy alligator or or different kinds of snake. They didn't sell pork and chicken and beef. They sold meat that was from elsewhere on the planet. That was a pretty unusual. My dad used to just go there and and buy a pound of whatever grabbed him or whatever was on special and come home and try to figure out. This was before, before the Internet, so he couldn't come home and type on his computer a recipe for camel. He would just make it up. And sometimes it was really good and Sometimes it was, uh, you probably should do it a different way next time, Dad. <laughs> but he would give that a shot. All right, share with me, as we've got, oh, yeah, we've got time. Share with me your, uh, the rub. Well, the, uh, the marinade. Uh, the marinade, I mean, uh, yeah, the marinade. You yeah, got ribeyes I mean, in this, a marinade. This, yeah, this, this will make any, any meat taste better. Um, I like, uh, my favorite cut of meat is, is the ribeye. Sure. Um, I mean, you can buy cheap steaks, but... Uh, and I, I'm not a fan of sirloin or some of these charcoal steaks you can get. Uh, they don't cost much, and there's a reason they don't cost much. But uh, uh, Tony, so you would say, you wouldn't buy a, a, a T-bone or a, a New York uh, strip. Or you would let that. You would leave that. Those, those, are, those are okay, but uh, I prefer the ribeye. Another good uh, steak. I, I like uh, the spoon roast uh, oh. that uh, festival has. Sure, sure. Those are those are really really good, but. Uh, so I've got uh, the two um, ribeyes uh, soaking right now in, in this recipe, and I'll just go through it real quick. It's okay. uh, half, half a cup of soy sauce, a tablespoon of garlic p- powder, uh, a tablespoon of uh, pepper, uh, hoisin sauce, Ooh, yeah. which is a sauce that's used a, a lot in Chinese cooking. Right, um, and that's something some, you, somebody turned you on to that, didn't they? I mean, somebody yeah, said, here, you got to have this jar of this yeah. stuff. It's delicious. Yeah, my son, Andrew, I never even heard of it before. He said, Dad, you're going to eat this all the time. It's so good. And he was right. Yeah. So good. So good. Hoisin, yeah. It's spelled H-O-I-S-I-N. Um, plum sauce, 
which is it gives it a sweetness. Um, apple cider vinegar, uh, two tablespoons of that, a tablespoon of uh, yellow mustard, mm-hmm. um, and you chop up an onion, mix it up in a bowl, uh, throw it in a uh, in a Ziploc bag, and let it marinate for as long as you can. I mean, you don't you don't want to marinate it for fifteen minutes. Right. You so sounded like you had yours. Did you marinate yours overnight? I did, and it's it's uh, last night. So it'll be about twenty four hours. Really? By the time I get it on the grill, that's not too long. Right. Obviously. And so okay. I, I prefer a couple of days. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it sounds yeah. like you're making pastrami here all of a sudden. Pretty soon, it's <laughs> it's gonna. You won't even need to cook it. It just cooked itself in the refrigerator. Right. So this is just a tremendous marinade, and uh, I, I think I said uh, you chop up an onion and put yep, it in there. Yeah, um, But all of these things together, I, I've got a Ziploc, Ziploc bag full of deliciousness that I can't wait to get to tonight. <laughs> so. Oh, man, that sounds – and that's all there is to it? That sounds delish. It's, that's all there is to it. If you have the ingredients, you can put it together in five minutes. Well, uh, and you know what's fun, too? When you go into your kitchen – and open the refrigerator, you see hoisin sauce, and don't think, that's weird, I'm throwing that away. Because I've, I've spoken to, heck, I talked with you about it yesterday. When you go into your kitchen, some people are afraid to cook unless they have a recipe. Step one, step two, step three, how much salt, how much garlic, and so forth. And I know that you and I, especially like for that marinade, just know that everything in the kitchen I purchased because I like it or I want to try it. And so somebody told me, Andrew told me that hoisin sauce is really good. Okay, I'm going to give that a shot. I have all these ingredients. I made uh, 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 pastrami a couple of years ago and corned beef, and I got all these recipe, all these ingredients left over from, from that marinade. And what am I going to do with juniper berries? I don't know. I don't want to make corned beef because blah, blah, but I got all these juniper berries. Well, mash them up and put them in something else. Turns out they're really good. What's the secret ingredient? I don't know. It might be juniper berries because that's the only weird thing that's in this marinade. And it turns out you invented something that you didn't really invent. They've been eating it that way in Turkey forever. <laughs> and I'll it turns have out to, uh, delish. Uh, do we have uh, juniper bushes in these parts? I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, the only time I'd ever heard of a juniper bush was uh, in a Monty Python movie. So, well, you look they were, look up all the different spices you need to to make uh, corned beef or pastrami, and you'll see all kinds of things you probably never heard of. Yeah. I will do that. And I've done that in the past when you said before, put your your favorite rub. Have do you ever go to the spice aisle? in your grocery store knowing that you have to buy a spice because you just used up the last of your McCormick Montreal steak seasoning, which by the way is delicious, but you just used the last of it a couple of days ago. So now you got to get something else. You ever stand in front of that spice aisle reading the labels and the ingredients and trying not to drool on yourself and wait for one of those flavors to jump off the shelf into your hand. You ever do that and end up Something you never heard of. What's this? I don't know. It's uh, it's Carolina something or other, but uh, I don't know. And it's yellow. So I'm going to try that. And you bring it home and sprinkle it on uh, 
on a, a steak or a pork chop and find out, wow, that's, uh, that's really tasty. What is it? I don't know. Carolina something or other. Somebody thought it was really good. They sell it in the store, so I'm going to give that a try. All of a sudden, yep. you got a really tasty thing. Hey, I appreciate you talking with me this morning. Uh, let well, me. Uh, I got one more bit of business to do. Let me uh, come back and uh, we'll wrap up Cooley Region Cooks with Bruce Mullick, who is normally the money man. In this case, saving you time in the kitchen because if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. We'll be right. It there. is so so good when you uh, when you put that under a broiler and give it uh, give it some char. You'll like it. You'll like it, and you'll be thinking, "Hayes did not steer me wrong. Thank you so much for that." Yeah. All right. Yeah. One favor, for, if you could not share my SpaghettiO and hot dog recipe, that's an old family recipe. We want oh, to keep man. secret. I wasn't even going to tell people that you shared it with me because I don't want them hounding me for the beans and weenies uh, a la Zmolik, yeah. the family, the Zmolik family recipe. Hey, let's do it again sometime. 